If you have your Bibles or a copy of Scripture or a phone or whatever you read the Bible on, if you would open it up or turn it on, and we're going to open to the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. If you don't know where Nehemiah is, if you find Psalms right in the middle of your Bible, flip left three books and you should be able to find it there. We're going to be looking this morning at Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 11, and speaking about how we are to pray as believers going through times of brokenness, which I'm sure we're all familiar with. So if you have your copy of Scripture, I would invite you to follow along while I read this passage aloud, starting again here at verse 4 of chapter 1 of Nehemiah. The Word of God says, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of the heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to a place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. Oh, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear in your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was a cupbearer to the king. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Amen. Each and every one of us has faced times of brokenness, times of pain, times of heartache. And we as believers are encouraged to know that the Holy Spirit is with us during these times. But I'm sure if you are like me, we often wonder how we are to pray during these times of heartache and brokenness. Our lives are full of them. The sin in the world causes so much pain and heartache in our lives. Well, here in the first chapter of Nehemiah, we find the Word of God teaching us how to pray as believers who are facing times of brokenness, heartache, and pain. You see, Nehemiah, a servant of God living in exile in Persia, working for King Artaxerxes there, has just received word that Jerusalem has been destroyed. Its walls have been torn down, its gates have been burned, and the remnant of Jews living in that city are now in dire straits. They're facing persecution. They're facing a lot of difficulties in that land. And after hearing this, Nehemiah understands that this is an illustration of the spiritual condition of the people of Israel. You see, they rejected God. They have went their own way. They followed their own laws and rules rather than following the laws and rules that God had given them. So God cast them out of this promised land and he sent them into exile all over the Middle East. And here, Nehemiah is understanding that these people are in pain. These people are far away from God. And he is brokenhearted over this. You see, Nehemiah is a man who loved the Lord and loved to see God praised in his life. And hearing these words breaks his heart. He hears what has happened to Jerusalem and it breaks his heart. So he goes before the Lord in prayer. And this is something that we can learn from this morning. We can take this passage And we can learn how to pray through our seasons of brokenness, through our trials, and our suffering in this life, which I'm sure we're all in some sort going through this morning. 
So let's learn here how we are to pray. First, I want to notice here in verse, in verse 4, how Nehemiah mourns before the Lord. This is his posture before going into prayer. He humbles himself before the Lord. Notice what it says here in verse 4. He says, speaking of Nehemiah, that he sat down and he wept and mourned for days. He wept and he mourned for days. He was utterly brokenhearted about the condition of the people of Israel, about the condition of Jerusalem, that he was crying before the Lord. He was mourning. He was pouring out his heart before God because he trusted that God would hear him. He trusted that God would comfort him during his time of pain and suffering. Now, oftentimes in our own lives, sometimes we fail to come before the Lord with an open heart, to bear all of our burdens before him, to lay our burdens at his feet in times of suffering and pain. But here, Nehemiah illustrates a man who completely trusts in the Lord so much that he is willing to cry and mourn before him in facing this news of brokenness about Jerusalem and the people of Israel. So he opens up his heart He lays his heart at God's feet and says, God, listen to me. Please hear my cry. By his weeping and his mourning, we too can learn how to go before the Lord and bear our heart before him, especially in times of brokenness, but also in times of joy and praise. We should come before the Lord with a a joyful heart, trusting in him and his unchanging love. That is how we should approach the Lord. But also notice that he wept and he mourned, but he also prayed and fasted before the God of heaven. So while he is mourning, while he is, he is weeping here, he is coming before the Lord and fasting, seeking the will of God above his own. He is seeking the will of God above his own. He goes without food, he goes without water to hear from the Lord. He comes before the Lord in prayer, praying humbly before him to seek out God's will. Now, oftentimes, I'm sure that you are like me, we go before the Lord, especially in times of heartache and pain in our lives. We do go before the Lord. We do. But sometimes it's out of selfishness. Sometimes it's not out of humility. Sometimes we want best what what we think we need, but we don't want what God wants for us. We need to seek his will even in our darkest hour. And that's exactly what Nehemiah does here. He lays out a posture of humility before the Lord. And that's how he begins to pray, humbly, submitting himself under the will of God, seeking God's will above his own, even if it means something that Nehemiah does not even like. But he trusts in the will of God. He says that this, is, this will is better than his own. That is where he is at. So how does Nehemiah pray? How does he pray? How are we to pray when we are faced with times of brokenness? Well, beginning in verse 5, Nehemiah begins to pray. He comes before the Lord and he says, O Lord God of heaven, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you, day and night for your people, your, or your people of Israel, your servants. So he, first he addresses the Father. Notice that he does not come with his personal plea first which most of us do when we are in times of pain and brokenness. We jump in automatically with what we want or what we think we need. But here, Nehemiah shows us that we must address the Father for who he is first. He is to be glorified. He is to be praised even in times of brokenness and pain. Notice that Nehemiah addresses his nature. He addresses God's nature. 
He says, Lord God of heaven. This is an illustration used throughout the Bible to show that God is sovereign over Israel. He is dealing with the the Jewish people, the Israelite people here in this passage. So Nehemiah prays, seeking the sovereign God of Israel to step into this situation, bring healing, bring redemption, because he is all-powerful to do so. So Nehemiah appeals to his nature. Lord God of heaven, listen, hear my cry, because you are great and awesome in power. Now, great and awesome in power is something that we would all um, agree with that God is. But here, Nehemiah is coming before the Lord and seeking him, respecting him for who he is. He is great and awesome God, and he is to be feared. When we come before the Lord, we should not just speak to him like we speak to any other human being. We should come before him with reverence, with speaking to him with respect, and adoring him for who he is and his unchanging greatness. We should understand that God is awesome, and we should fear him. We should understand that he's in control of all things. And we should trust in him in our times of brokenness, in our times of pain. But Nehemiah does not just appeal to God's nature, he also appeals to God's character, who God is and how he's related to his people. Notice he continues on and says, God who keeps his steadfast love for those who love him and keep his commandments. He appeals to God's character. He appeals to God's covenantal love, his relationship with his people, the Jews. You see, God has established a covenantal relationship with his people, a covenant based on who God is rather than who they are. Because if the relationship was based on who the Jews are, it wouldn't go so well. They've disobeyed, they've failed so many times, time and time again, they disobey, they go their own way, they do their own thing. But God has established a love, a relationship with these people that is steadfast. Though they reject him, he remains steadfast in his love. Though they go their own way, he remains steadfast in his covenantal love for his people. Yes, there are consequences for sin in this covenantal love, as we'll see later, but God still remains the same. He remains constant, even in the brokenness that Nehemiah is facing here and the brokenness of the people of Israel. God remained constant. He is unchanging. He is powerful God, and he should be praised and glorified even in our darkest hour. This is how Jesus tells us to pray as well in Matthew 6, 9. Most of you know this as the model prayer. But we hallow the name of the Father first before we get into our own personal plea. This is how we are supposed to pray. We are supposed to praise God for who he is and his unchanging power and nature in our times of brokenness and in our times of pain. You know, I found, I found this very comforting this last week. Um, as some of you know that my grandmother passed away this last week. And it was a very difficult week of emotions and uh, changing situations and all, all of that. A time of brokenness for me and my family. But our constant, our foundation, our rock was the God. It was God during this time because our situations change and fluctuate and bring us a lot of emotions. But God remained the same. He is, he, he, we can always go to him. He is always able to be brought before, and we should, we should encourage that. We should go before the Lord God and praise him for who he is, hallowing his name because he is holy and he is worthy to be praised, and he can be our rock and steadfast foundation when we go through trials and brokenness. So we should first pray, praising the Father for who he is, even in our darkest hour, even in our trials of life, even in our suffering and heartache, we should praise God for who he is and his steadfast love for us. Yet Nehemiah does not stop with 
praising God for who he is. No, he continues because he's seeing God for who he is. He confesses. He confesses sin before the Father. He confesses his sin before the Father. Notice here at the end of verse 6, he says, Confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you have commanded your servant Moses. You see, once Nehemiah has understood who God is and all of his power and all of his great character and nature, we see who we really are. Nehemiah sees who he really is. God is holy without sin. He is perfect, and we are sinful human beings. That's why he says here that he confesses his sins, the sins of Israel. We have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. Nehemiah is humbling himself before the Lord, confessing his sin because he knows that his sin is keeping him from a right relationship with God. So he must confess his sin. This is something very difficult for us to do. I know it is for me. In our times of brokenness, and our times of pain and heartache and difficult relationships, I mean, the list can go on and on. It is hard to confess our sin in these times. We become inward focused and we think that we need to be comforted, which we do, we do. But we also need to confess our sins before the Lord. Why do we need to do this? Because in these times of brokenness, in these times of pain, we don't stop sinning. We continue to sin and we can have a twisted view of who God is. Satan, the world, and our flesh all go against us in our time of weakness, our time of brokenness. To twist our view on God during these times of hardships in our lives, we would like to go and listen to Satan because we like to blame God a lot of times. But that's, a, that's sin. We shouldn't be blaming God during these times. We should be confessing our sins so we can see God rightly and so that he can give us discernment and wisdom to do his will in the times of hardship that we are facing. So Nehemiah comes before the Lord, humbly confessing his sin, realizing that he is a sinner, that he has gone against the rules, the statutes, the commands of God, and he is seeking restoration, he is seeking forgiveness, he is seeking, he is seeking redemption. So in our times of brokenness, in our times of prayer, we must go before the Lord. We must confess our sins, even though it might be hard. But if we don't, we know that Satan can fill our, fill our mind with lies, to turn away from God, to distance ourselves from God. But that's not what we need. We need to be close with the Father during our times of brokenness, during our times of pain and heartache. So we must confess our sins and be faithful to confess our sins so that we do not fall into deeper sin. So let us remember here that we are addressing the Father first in our prayers, praising him for who he is, and then we confess our sins. We're confessing who we are and our relationship with God, and we ask for restoration and redemption in that relationship. Yet also, going on in verses 8 through 10, Nehemiah appeals to the word of God. He appeals to the word of God. Notice here it says in verses 8 through 10, Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to a place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants, your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. After Nehemiah has understood who God is and he has confessed his sin, he then clings to the promises of God. 
And this is how we should pray in our times of brokenness. We should appeal to the word of God. He trusts in the word of God. Notice that Nehemiah here is quoting from Leviticus and Deuteronomy. He is saying, Lord, I trust in your word because it's true. I've seen it. It's true. I am a, I am a product of it. The nation and people of Israel, we have disobeyed you. We have gone our own way, and then you have cast us out of this land, the land of promise. That's exactly what your word said you would do, and you were faithful and true to that. So Nehemiah trusts in the word of God. He trusts in the power of the word of God, yet he also finds hope in the word of God. He just doesn't say that we've been cast out and there's no hope, there's no redemption for us. No, he says that if we repent, if we turn from our sins, and follow God. We go the opposite direction and follow God and live obediently to his commandments and his, his statutes and his rules, then we will be restored back to the land. Restoration will happen. Redemption will happen. Here, Nehemiah is clinging to the truth of God. He's clinging to the promises of God and who we are as human beings. We can trust in the word of God. We can put our faith in the word of God because it is true. In our times of brokenness, in our times of pain, we must pray the word of God back to him. We must spend time meditating on the word of God as our comfort and our joy as we deal with the trials and pains that this life brings. That is our only hope. People try to put their hope in all sorts of worldly things just to have their their hopes dashed. But the foundation, the rock of the word of God never changes. It remains the same. It remains true. In our times of brokenness, in our times of, pr- of pain, we must pray back the word of God to him, trusting that it is true, trusting it is powerful, trusting that it will give us comfort and hope unlike anything else in this world. Do we do that? Do we pray back the word of God to him? We're always seeking the will of God for our lives. Well, he's given us his will and his word. Let us pray that back to him clinging to the promises of who we are in Christ. If we are in Christ, we are a new creation. Our sins have been been paid for. We've been freed, and we have eternal hope now so that no matter what happens in our lives, we have hope, we have joy, we have a peace that surpasses all understanding so that we can deal with these issues and times of our life that bring us to brokenness and pain and heartache. So cling to the word of God. In your prayer life, cling to the word of God. Pray back the Bible to him. Go through, this last week, I had an opportunity to go through Psalm 23. It was in my daily Bible reading. And right where I needed it, I'd memorized this this Psalm many times and thought about it and prayed about it many times. But reading it afresh this last week through the passing of my grandma, this word brought comfort to me that that he would lead me by still waters, that he would guide me and protect me and take care of me, even through the valley of the shadow of death. That is comfort, that is joy, unlike anything this world can offer us. Pray back the word of God to him, cling to the promises of God, appeal to the word of God before the Lord, trust in his word, because it should be the foundation of our lives. Yet Nehemiah does not stop there, he continues on. Now he opens up to the Lord about his own personal plea, his own personal plea here in verse 11. Verse 11 says, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear in your name. Give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. 
Now I was a cupbearer to the king. You see, Nehemiah is coming before the king Artaxerxes, arguably the most powerful man in the world at this time. Nehemiah is a cupbearer to this king. That means a very prominent position before him. And the Lord has laid upon Nehemiah's heart that he is to lead a group of Jews back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall, rebuild the city, restore the remnant there living in the city, and rebuild its gates. But before he goes to this great and powerful king, he goes before the king of kings to seek God's mercy on this situation, to seek God's favor upon Artaxerxes. Notice that he says, grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Notice that that's talking about Nehemiah having mercy in the sight of Artaxerxes. This most powerful man, Nehemiah, comes before the Lord, asking God to change the heart and life of this powerful man and allow him to have mercy and grace upon Nehemiah to send him to Jerusalem to rebuild this city, to rebuild this wall, and to restore this remnant living in the city, to redeem these people. That is what Nehemiah is praying. He is trusting in the sovereign Lord. He's trusting in the sovereign king, just like we sang about. He is trusting that God can even change the heart of the most powerful man in the world. No matter what situation that we are going through, and a lot of our brokenness, to be honest, comes from dealing with other human beings. It's dealing with hard circumstances. It's dealing with tough relationships with friends or family or coworkers. All of us deal with these things, and they cause us great pain and strife in our lives. But do we pray trusting that God can change those relationships? Do we pray that God can even change the hearts and minds of individuals who we might have a lot of problems with, who have caused us a lot of heartache? Do we pray trusting that God is in control of all things, and if it be his will, he can change the lives and hearts of people? That is the way we need to pray. Just like Nehemiah, he is seeking God's will above his own, seeking that God would have mercy on Artaxerxes, that he would change his heart and allow Nehemiah the favor and the materials to go back to Jerusalem and restore this city. That is the faithfulness in which we should pray. We should trust in the Lord, trust in his word, trust in his power, trust in his goodness, and trust that he can intervene in any situation. He can redeem the Jews out of bondage and exile and restore them back to the promised land, which is what happens in the book of Nehemiah. God hears the cry of Nehemiah, and allows him to go back and restore Jerusalem. But he trusts in the word of God. He appeals to the Father. He confesses his sins, trusting that God will hear him if it be his will. And this is the, this is the way that we should pray. No matter what situations that we are facing, no matter what situations that we come across in life, which all of us do come across really hard times in life, whether it be a death of a loved one or strained relationships like I was just talking about, or in any other manner of of things and situations that we go through in this life. God remains constant. He remains there for us. He remains steadfast in his love for his people. And we must remember that. And we should pray according to this. We pray thanking God for who he is and how he has redeemed us, how he has taken us out of sin and rebellion, just like these Jewish people. He's taken them out of sin and rebellion and restored them back to a promised land back to a right relationship with him. That is what he has done for you and me. This is the gospel, that God has restored us. You see, sin has broken our relationship with God. It it has destroyed our relationship with God, and every single one of us in this room has a broken relationship with God. 
but knowing that we cannot save ourselves by anything good that we have done, God sent himself into the world to his son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, a life that you and I could never live. And then he died, bearing the weight and wrath of God for our sins on the cross. There he died. And there again, he rose again, conquering over sin and death. So that if we trust in the Lord, we trust in who Jesus is, trust in the work that Christ has done on our behalf, we are given by faith a new life, a new heart, so that we can now obey God. So now that when God looks at us, he no longer sees a filthy, dirty sinner anymore, but he sees his own sons and his own daughters washed clean of all their sins and stains. We have a right relationship with the Lord, and Jesus becomes our Savior He becomes our king. He becomes our Lord so that when we go through these trials and brokenness, we can come before him, trusting in him, having faith in him that he will see us through. But if he does not, it is well with my soul, right? Because our hope is not in this world. Our hope is an eternal hope. And that is where our faith should be because Christ has conquered death and he's allowed us to live in union with him forever. The world does not offer that hope. The world does not offer that freedom from brokenness and pain. It does not offer any solution, but Christ does. And that is how we as believers should pray, trusting in the promises of Christ, trusting in who we are as his sons and daughters who have been adopted into his family. And that is how we as believers should pray. So as we conclude, I just want to remind you, as we pray, let us pray with a broken heart. Let us pour out our emotions before the Lord. That is right and true to do. Let's pray, praising the Father for who he is and how he remains constant. Let us confess our sins before him so that we are not blinded by the sin that happens in our lives, that destroys our right relationship with the Father. Let's confess our sins. Let's cling to the word of God. Let's cling to its promises and appeal to that when we pray. And finally, let's pray knowing that God, if it be his will, can change the situations that we find ourselves in, that he can restore broken relationships, that he can give us an eternal hope in Christ Jesus. So while we think about that, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we close out this service, bowing before him, trusting in him. And if you need to get right with the Lord, this is a time to do it. Maybe you're going through brokenness in your life. Come before the Lord now, pray back to him, And I'm just going to spend a few minutes in quiet time of prayer, just like we just did a few minutes ago. And then I'll close this in a minute. But this is a time of reflection upon what God is doing in our lives. So pray with me, please. And I'll close this in a few minutes.